This is the Yale Environmental Dialogue, a podcast that is exploring solutions to a more sustainable future. Hi, I'm Greg Rashuni. I am the Executive Director of the Aspen Institute Energy and Environment Program, and I'm joined today by Anna Georgie, who leads the climate and environment work for the Aspen Institute. Hey, Greg. Today we're here to talk about stewards of the land, um, how to harness American agriculture for a sustainable future. This uh, topic is really important to both of us um, as we work on agriculture, sustainability, and climate change kind of all day, every day for um, the work we do here at the Aspen Institute. Um, and kind of the, the way we think about this is that we've got to be not just stewards of our land, but we've also got to provide sustainable nutrition and provide climate action um, you know, to help solve the climate crisis. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the ideas that we uh, include in our chapter. So farmers are being squeezed right now. It's not a rock and a hard place, but it's two rocks and a hard place. Um, first is the population on the planet is growing. Um, by 2050, we'll have two billion more people than we do now, so almost 10 billion people on the planet. Um, and most, or almost all of the growth is gonna be in countries that already have a food deficit, like India, Nigeria, Pakistan, and others. Um, very little of the growth is in um, Europe or the United States. And we're gonna have almost a billion more people in the middle class by the middle of the century. And so all these new people on the planet are gonna need healthy, nutritious food um, to stay healthy, to survive, and to thrive um, in, in the economy of the future. The second uh, challenge is that agriculture and the transportation of food is a quarter of global emissions. Um, it's almost half the methane we emit um, on the planet. It's 80% of the nitrous oxide. And both of those greenhouse gases um, have a much higher warming potential than CO2. And so uh, when we emit a ton of methane, it has a much bigger impact than emitting a ton of carbon. And the third challenge that we're facing is that the climate, the warming planet, the climate crisis, is impacting the ability to grow food. Um, every one degree um, Celsius of warming, we lose 7% of our ability to grow corn and wheat and 3% of rice and soy. Um, we're already over one degree of warming today. And uh, even with things like the Paris Climate Agreement and other action by countries and cities and states around the world, um, there's no sign of our emissions slowing down. Um, so the challenge is for farmers to keep feeding the world while also tackling climate and being impacted by climate all at the same time. Um, so Anna, Anna and I have worked on um, talking about some solutions. The first one is collaboration. Um, Anna, do you want to talk about the Harvest Forum that we convened earlier this year? Sure. So um, this chapter was also co-written by Aaron Fitzgerald, who is, I believe, the CEO of U.S. Farmers and Ranchers. Um, so earlier this year, we partnered with U.S. Farmers and Ranchers on a forum um, called Honor the Harvest Forum. And the idea was to bring together uh, representatives from across the food supply chain, the food and ag supply chain, to talk about how to co-create the sustainable um, 
food systems of the future. Um, I think farmers often are painted as a villain in this situation in climate change. Um, and we really wanted to reverse the narrative on that and also to, so that they can also understand that they can be part of the solution. Um, so the Honor the Harvest Forum was a way to do that. Um, it was very successful. We talked about nine or ten different possible um, collaborations that people from the forum could carry forward after it. And we are working to do another forum in the next year that will continue on the work that we're already doing. And so gathering these farmers and ranchers and getting them to talk with food companies and retailers and scientists about collaborating on research and development and farm practices, um, as well as finding supply chain solutions is really key to uh, the solutions to, to sustainability in agriculture. Um, the second is really focusing on nutrition. We have a very limited um, amount of land that we uh, use for agriculture, and it's shrinking every year. Um, you know, we, we often hear of deforestation, but in the United States, a lot of agricultural land every year is turned into suburban sprawl, and houses are being built and farms are being torn down. And so on the limited amount of land, we've got to make sure that we're growing the things um, that can support a growing population, not just here, but around the world, because we export a lot of um, a lot of the products that we grow here. And so one of the ways to do that um, beyond choosing which things to grow is to focus on food waste. Um, globally, 14% of food is wasted even before it hits the retail um, side of things. And in the US, more than 30% of food is wasted um, in the fridge or on plates. And so when you go to the grocery store, and you clean out your fridge afterwards with the stuff that went bad, um, that's food waste. That's food that could have been feeding someone. When you um, go to a restaurant and they give you a huge portion and you don't eat it all, that's food waste. Same thing with um, ugly fruits and vegetables that the supermarkets throw out because no one wants to buy them because they, they don't look good. Um, that often gets wasted. And there's a lot of um, solutions to this. There's companies and organizations that are focused on bringing those ugly fruit and vegetables um, to food kitchens and um, to restaurants to be served. Uh, but it's, it's really something that, um, that we need to focus on. And then the third thing is, um, as Anna mentioned earlier, is farmers is the solution using soil carbon capture. So Anna, can you talk a little bit about um, the potential for soil carbon capture and you know kind of how, how do we get there yeah so um, it's been it's been in the news a lot lately um, a lot of presidential candidates and other prominent figures that have been talking about the potential of soil carbon capture um, to reduce emissions from agriculture or even um, get emissions to net net zero um, Plants basically cycle carbon. They take in carbon from the atmosphere and they use it to grow and also to, uh, they also put soil um, carbon back into the soil. Um, so with certain management practices, it is believed that more carbon can be stored in the soil and in plants. Um, so there's a huge potential there. Some studies estimate that it is possible to have agriculture become net zero through soil carbon capture. Um, however, there's a lot of research that needs to be done in the interim in order to really understand whether it's possible and how to get there. Um, we've done a lot of 
forums and discussions lately that have talked about this topic and the need for long-term studies is one of the things that comes up most, um, especially because in agriculture and ranching, land can be so different from place to place. So really understanding what works where um, is important to understanding how much potential there really is here. But I think it's definitely an area that we could make um, a lot of gains in if we were to figure out how exactly the potential is for it. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, the National Academies did a study last year on soil carbon capture. Um, there's a lot of work going on at universities around the U.S. Um, looking at the potential, um, both the potential for what different soils can capture as well as how do you measure how much carbon is in the soil. Do you need, um, uh, you know, a, a sensor on every acre of land or can you do it through algorithms and artificial intelligence? Um, and then the kind of the big question we've got to ask is how do you incentivize farmers to adopt practices, um, whether it's um, no-till or low-till farming, uh, whether it's um, cover crops, or you gathering and utilizing advanced technologies that are still being developed uh, to capture more carbon in the soil. Um, we've got to figure out what those incentives look like. How do you, um, how do you incentivize farmers to do those things? Um, and then the other side of that is on the methane side is a lot of the methane come from animal food production. And so there's a variety of practices to reduce the methane emissions in cow and cattle, um, as well as other animals that, that produce methane. Um, and so we're really focused on helping farmers and ranchers become um, the enablers of the economy in the coming century um, by helping to solve some of the sustainability issues, helping to cope with um, the changing climate, I'm pretty optimistic about the opportunities that we have um, to, to reduce emissions in agriculture. I think what we saw at the Harvest Forum was a group of people who have been working in this field, some, some of them for 50 years, um, some of them for five, seven, 10 generations. Um, who are really taking on these new practices. When we see um, farmers adopting things like cover crops, I mean, these are things that um, we've known about for a long time. Yeah, the other thing I would say is that a lot of practices that people believe will help um, us get to net zero emissions also have other co-benefits that farmers really want on their farms. And so that's why a lot of them are already using these, ben uh, these methods, but it's a way that we can we can help people adopt because you're not only putting more carbon in the soil, but a lot of times you're increasing your production, um, you're making your farm more resilient. Um, so there are a lot of other ways that you can look at it besides just pure climate. And it also helps sustain the farms for future generations. I mean, one of the things I think that was most, um, I think, powerful in the harvest forum that we held was the the farmer um, chip whose farm we were holding the forum on his granddaughter was there and you know he's he's gotten this farm passed down from his parents and his grandparents and he hopes to pass the farm down to his children and his, his grandchildren 
And so thinking about the thing, the ways he can change his practices, that it doesn't have to be um, business as usual, that he can, you know, get these new practices, he can get new technology, and he can do it all while making a profit and providing food for the world, I think is a really important thing for farmers to realize um, and to see in action um, in order for, uh, for this to be successful. But I, I, I think, I mean, they need support both from us, from consumers, um, and, and from the government to provide research and development funding, to provide loans, um, other policy mechanisms to really um, enable this future. And we've, we've got to all be moving in the same direction if we want this to, to occur. Yeah, I think one of the themes that comes up a lot too is that it's a, we need to take a holistic view of the food and ag sector. It's not just about farmers and ranchers. They can't act alone at all times. They need to be supported by the companies, um, the retailers, government, um, and also the consumers. And like Greg mentioned before, we have a lot of food waste in America that is at the consumer and retail level, um, while at the same time we have food security still in the United States. So it's not just the farmers who need to be doing stuff on food and ag, it's also, it's everyone down the line. Another part of this is, you know, the, the chapter that we worked on is really focused on the U.S. and U.S. agriculture. But we've, we have to enable other nations to both adopt practices in agriculture that provide sustainability, that provide long-term benefits to their populations, but also enable them to reduce their emissions across the board um, by supporting them through technologies and diplomacy. Um, and so one of the things that we work on in addition to this is we have these dialogues with China and with India on their climate action. Um, and we, uh, we're actually heading over to Beijing in a few weeks to have these dialogues with Chinese government officials and academics on um, their climate policy and how that can interact with things that the U.S. is doing. Um, and so it's really important to, to have that dialogue and to build relationships so you can cooperate, um, build cooperation with other, other countries. Um, in India in particular, um, we've really worked at the subnational level um, where we've brought together people who lead um, city governments and state governments in the U.S. with people who lead city governments and state governments in India, talk about air pollution, talk about um, urban mobility, talk about things like um, the, the cooling conundrum and short-lived climate pollutants that um, have even more of an impact per ton than carbon and methane and, um, and other uh, greenhouse gases. So how can we help enable other countries to adopt technology and um, sustainability in their practices? Well, I think we should definitely be leading by example in the US. Um, we are a country that has the means, for sure, compared to many other countries in the world to be doing a lot on this issue, and we're not always doing that. Um, so I think that with our vast potential to uh, develop new technologies and to invest in research, we should really be doing more of it, especially on the agricultural side. Um, it's across all of our work on food and ag, everyone always says that there isn't enough funding um, for food and agriculture and that farmers are really feeling that. So I think first leading by example is really important. Um, and then I also think it's important to use our 
diplomacy and soft power to incentivize other countries to do the same and to help them with their research um, priorities and to figure out what is exportable and what can be adapted to other places. I think there's definitely an appetite for the U.S. to be in a leadership position. Um, our Harvest Forum, Honor the Harvest Forum, was there were a lot of leaders from across the food and ag sector, um, pretty high up people in really big companies. And I think you've also seen a lot of companies making pretty ambitious commitments. Um, consumers want to know that things are more sustainably produced, and so I think companies are listening to that. Uh, I think also if you're doing long-term planning for your company, you have to think about these things, especially in food and ag, where climate's gonna have such a big impact. So I think there's definitely appetite in the food and ag sector to be leaders on this. Um, and I think also the sector is tired of being left out and feeling like they're blamed for everything and this could be a big opportunity for them um, and for all of us to have everyone be part of the solution. Well, I wanted to thank you, Anna, for joining me um, and talking about this today and also um, contributing to all the, all the work on the Harvest Forum and the chapter. Great to be here. The Yale Environmental Dialogue is produced by the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies. Music is by Ben Cosgrove.